0: And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org.
1: We're in a series called Focusing on What is Important. I think it's important in this year that we focus on what's important. And today we're talking about pressing into the presence of Jesus. And when I talk about pressing into the presence of Jesus. I'm not talking about pressing into the omnipresence of the Lord. We know that that Jesus is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. I'm talking about pressing into the manifest presence of Jesus, where the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, where the Spirit of God is working in your life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says, But one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. One thing thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal. Everybody say, "I I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Many years ago, When Kathy and I were pastoring in Virginia Beach, we met a couple named Jim and Nancy Pennington. I met them at Regent University. And Jim had been a rock and roll disc jockey who who got saved. And when he got saved, he got on fire for Jesus. And Jim became one of my prayer partners. And many times he and I would meet, say at noontime, to fast and pray. And he'd say, Terrell, we can't grow faint. We can't give up. We've got to press in as we pray. He says, I want you to press into Jesus. I want you to press into the Holy Spirit. I want you to press into the Word of God. I want you to press into God. And, you know, I begin thinking about that. What exactly does that mean, to press into Jesus? What did Paul mean when he says, I press on toward the to, 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 toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward? In Christ Jesus. Well, in the Bible, there are several passages where people seem to press in to the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you remember the story of about a wee little man named Zacchaeus? Let me just see your hands. How many of you remember the song about Zacchaeus you were taught as a child? Okay, let's try it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked and said, Zacchaeus, you come down, because I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. You did? Okay, I think, I think we can do better with that, okay? Some of you are saying, hey, I hadn't seen that in a long time. Here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed that way, he looked up and said, everybody shouted, Zacchaeus! You come down, for I'm going to your house today. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you sing pretty good. Come on, tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Luke chapter 19, verse 2. Luke 19, verse 2 says, Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of a short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. I want you to know, first of all, that Zacchaeus is a wealthy tax collector who wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, and he says, "What can I do? I know. I see the. I see a, a tree, a sycamore tree, and it's got a limb hanging over the road. I'm going to climb up in that sycamore tree. Now, I want you in your minds. I want you to picture this very wealthy man. I mean, he is dressed in polo. I mean, he is. He's, he's wearing the their very best clothes anybody could have, and here's this man climbing up." this sycamore tree and he's climbing out over a branch and you look up and you say hey zach what you doing up the tree man and he just ignores you zach wanted to see the lord jesus look at verse five and when jesus came to the place he looked up and he saw him and he said to him zacchaeus make haste and come down for day for for today for i'm going to your house today It's not exactly what he said. He says, today, I must stay at your house. Just imagine how excited Zacchaeus was that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come to your house. Wouldn't you like Jesus to come to your house? I'll tell you, Zacchaeus knew that life would never be the same. Here's our first point today. Number one, when you are desperate, you'll do anything. I'm going to say it again. When you're desperate, you'll do anything. You'll climb a tree. Come on. You'll endure people laughing at you. It don't matter because you're desperate. I read about a man who was kayaking off the Isle of Wight. The Isle of Wight is an island in the English Channel. Right? Have you seen the Isle of Wight? You've been there. I I thought you had. It's an island in the English Channel. This man is a professor at Cambridge, and he is he's he's enjoying his kayak, but these waters are pretty treacherous. His name is Mark Ashton Smith. And Mark's kayak capsizes and it looks like he's going to drown. He's holding on to the kayak, but nobody sees him. Nobody's aware of his situation. And he remembers that he's got a cell phone and it's got a waterproof case in it. He reaches in his, with his free hand and he gets the cell phone and he can't think of who to call. He can't think of anybody but his dad. Now his father is thirty five hundred miles away in the country of Dubai. He is training British soldiers, but he calls his dad. He says, Dad, I'm about to drown in the English Channel. His father said, Son, don't worry, I'm gonna take care of it. Did you know his father called the Coast Guard in London and they found the the, the, the Coast Guard they found the helicopter that was closest to the Isle of Wight and in twelve minutes? Mark Ashton Smith was rescued from a problem. Dear ones, look at me. When you, the unexpected happens and you got a problem, you better know who your father God is so you can place a call to him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. A lot of people are in trouble today and they're just enduring their problems because they haven't got desperate enough to do something about it they say well I guess I'm always going to have to put up with this situation at work I guess I'm always going to have to put up with this problem in life but I believe that you and I need to become like Popeye the sailor man and say me's had all I can stands and me can't stands no more come on some of some of you had thought of Popeye in a long time I know you've been thinking about olive oil, but, but you haven't been thinking about Popeye. I want you to say this with me. I've had all me can stands, and me can't stands no more. Come on, try it again. I've had all me can stands, and I can't stands no more. See, Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call upon me, and I'll answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not. He says, call upon me. He didn't say mumble to me. And yet I'm afraid there are a lot of Christians that their prayer life is a prayer life of mumbling. <laughs> our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever the rest of that is. just, just The Bible doesn't say he that mumbles the name of Jesus will be saved. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jeremiah 33, 3, call upon me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not of. I just think it's time that we got off our blessed assurance and we stopped putting up with some things. I mean, you just got to declare, say, I may be sick today, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and I'm coming out of this you got to start proclaiming, hey, life may may not be so good today, but I'm sick and tired of things being this way. And I'm going to come out of this thing. you got to arise and start proclaiming victory over your own life. You know, the name of our, our television program is called Proclaiming Victory. And I'll tell you where that name comes from. Many years ago, when we were pioneering a church on the North Shore of Chicago, life was difficult. It was hard. And I was complaining to God one day. I was laying prostrate, praying. But, but but let's be honest. Sometimes most of our praying is nothing but complaining. As if God didn't know what we were going through. As if he didn't know about it. And I was just complaining. Man, I was, I was moaning and I was groaning about this problem and that problem and this situation and that situation and this lack. And this need, and I was moaning and groaning, and finally I just prayed out. How many of you know when you're moaning and groaning, it's a good thing to pray out, just give out of things to say? I moaned and groaned all I didn't have anything else to say. And I'm laying on the, on the carpet. And in my heart, in my spirit, man, I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, Terrell, arise, and begin to proclaim victory over those things. You're moaning and groaning about. Arise and begin to proclaim victory. You're waiting for God to do something about your situation when God has already done something about your situation. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already risen again on the third day. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. You've got the Word of God. You've got 7,000 promises in the Word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You're over here saying, Oh God, would you please somehow, some way, do something about this? I'm telling you, boy, get up and begin to proclaim proclaim. proclaim victory over your problem. I never told you to tell your problems, to, to tell God about your problems. I told you to tell your problems about your God. I never told you to tell God about your mountains. I told you to tell your mountains about God. And I stood to my feet and I began to proclaim victory. Those things I was moaning and groaning about. I began to speak the promises of God by faith over them. God, this is a need, but you're going to supply all our need according to your riches and glory. God, this is a heartache. But Lord, you bind up the brokenhearted. And I proclaim victory. I thank you that you're binding up brokenness in my life. Lord, this is, a, this is really a difficult situation to go through. And it's going to require confrontation. And I don't want to have to do it. But Lord, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And I'm going to be victorious. And I speak victory in the name of Jesus. And I want you to know I prayed that way for about 30 minutes. And my circumstances didn't change, but I changed. I'm going to tell you something. The problems didn't immediately go away. But I began to change because I got victory in my heart. You are made from for victory. Come on. You are made. When I was a kid, my dad's favorite song was page 120 in our church hymnals. It was victory in Jesus. When I was a little kid, he taught me, one of the first words he taught me to say was I got the victory. So I remember I couldn't say my V's and I used to say I got the victory. I didn't even know what that was, but I knew it pleased him and I I enjoyed pleasing him. I'm telling you, there's another father who loves to be pleased when you decide you're going to walk in faith and you're going to walk in victory. Hallelujah. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Weeping. Weeping may endure for the night, but God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's victory to be had for those that will have it. I'm telling you, there's victory to be had by those who will have it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, we just got to get, you got to get desperate enough. I'm going to climb out on that tree limb. They may mock me. I don't care. Glory to God. Job 5, verses 19 and 20. I will laugh at the threat of famine. I will laugh at the threat of calamity. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, I'll tell you, you can pray your way happy. You can pray your way happy. Some of you, you still watching those old hee-haw reruns. Gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. We need to see glory and honor be unto the King. He is my Savior. He's my everything. He's the one that redeemed me and lifted me out of the pit. Oh, He is a Savior, and I will never quit. How's that? Yeah. Glory to God. Do you know on several occasions, I've, gone to, I've been asked to go and pray for people who are suffering from emphysema. How many of you know it's? It's hard when you can't breathe. That's a terrible, terrible thing. I've been asked to go pray for people, and i prayed for a lot of people over the years. And I've seen God do some miracles. But I I was thinking about this. There have been two occasions that I've gone to visit people on their own oxygen, and I would get to their home, and as I walked in the room, you know what I'd find them do? I'd find them puffing away on a cigarette. And here they are, and they're in a difficult spot. And they say, Oh, Pastor Terrell, I'm so glad to see you. I want you to pray for me that God would give me a new set of lungs. And I think, well, I will do that, and God can give you a new set of lungs, and He's faithful, but you've got to get desperate enough to at least stop smoking. Folks, I realize the nicotine addiction is hard to deal with. I, I get it, folks. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not difficult, but I'm saying at some point in time, you gotta get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you gotta say, I, I'm gonna say no to nicotine, and I'm gonna say light and yes to life. Glory to God. And if you're struggling with the nicotine addiction this morning, I'd love to pray with you because Jesus can set you free. Glory to God. Mm -mm -mm. Look at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Everybody say home. Home's a good place, right? They heard he had come home. And and we can only guess that he he owned a home or he rented a home in Capernaum. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. I want you to see what happens. Jesus has come to his home, to Capernaum. After he started his ministry, he based his ministry out of Capernaum. He's got a a, a home he's bought or or a rented home. It was down in Jerusalem when he said the son of man has no place to lay his hand, head. It wasn't in Capernaum when he said that, okay? So he, and everybody's excited. Jesus has come. And all the neighbors are saying, Jesus is in that house. That's Jesus' house. He's in there. And people started coming and they filled up the living room and they filled up the den and they filled up the, the kitchen and they filled up the, 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 the bedrooms and they filled up the bathrooms and they filled up the, the hallways. I mean, it was wall to wall people and and Jesus is preaching the word and then in verse 3 it says so some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them and since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lord the mat the man was lying on. How many of you know when you're desperate, you don't take no for an answer? I mean, when you're desperate, these four men have carried this, this, this sick invalid, I don't know how many miles, but they carried him a long way, and they find the house is full, and they say, you know what, we didn't bring him this far to be turned back now. And there's, there's, they're saying, what do you think we should do? And one of them looks and says, you know what, let's get up on that roof, and let's start taking, taking that roof apart, and then we'll layer, we'll, we'll, we'll lower him down through that, And can, can you just imagine these guys get up there on the roof and they start tearing the roof up? Can't you imagine some people start yelling at them? Hey, that's Jesus' house. He's in there teaching. Better stop that. Somebody else says, if you keep tearing up that roof, I'm going to call the cops. They're going to come and they're going to arrest you. You're a vandal. But that didn't stop them. Listen, folks, when you're desperate. You don't let other people stop you. You don't let circumstances stop you. These guys had one thought. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Look at verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven you. When Jesus, what, what did he see their faith? Folks, he knew it took faith to tear that roof off. What some people call vandalism, Jesus called faith. Ooh, I'll let you chew on that for a minute. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And, you know, then that, that him, him saying, Son, your sins are forgiven, that upset a whole lot of religious people because they said only God alone can forgive sin. What they didn't realize is that the one standing in front of them was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. And that brings us to our second point today. When people get into desperate situations, they sometimes will do amazing Things. When you get into a desperate situation you 'll do an amazing thing. you know back just after Christmas, there was a family, and they were in their car and they were driving through the Grand Canyon and they decided to go up on the north rim. How many of you remember this story they They got in a in a blizzard up there, and they got stuck and they didn 't know what to do and so The mother, who was 46 years old, her name was Karen Klein. She was a triathlete, and she says, I'm in the best shape. She left her 10-year-old son, and she left her husband in the car. And she said, there's a main road right up here. I can get up to it. But what Karen didn't know is that that main road had been closed for the winter. And Karen Klein walked for almost 45 hours. Almost 45 hours, 26 miles through the snow. In fact at one point in time she got ice in her left shoe and she took her shoe off. She had come twenty two miles, she had four more miles to go. She took her shoe off and, and she she got rid of the ice but then she couldn't get the shoe back on the foot. So here this woman is in a blizzard. You think it's cold here, folks. I mean, it, it was two degrees this morning in Libertyville, Illinois, where we used to live. Two degrees. And with the wind chill, I'm going to tell you something. That, that woman, she ended up with frostbite. I think we've got a video. Were we able to, to, to prepare that? Let, let's show that if we can.
2: Karen Klein is recovering after a journey that, frankly, many would not have lived through. She told us her incredible story of survival after trekking 26 miles in the frozen wilderness, something rescuers aren't just calling fortunate, they're calling it miraculous.
3: It's just starting to sort of sink in as far as it still feels somewhat surreal.
2: Karen Klein, warm, safe, and lucky to be alive this morning after incredibly surviving a harrowing ordeal. The 47-year-old Pennsylvania mom, her husband Eric, and 10-year-old son Isaac were in Las Vegas for a holiday getaway.
3: Family vacation, a week long, you know, over the holiday.
2: They decided to take a road trip, visit a world wonder.
3: We would go to Bryce Canyon and spend the night and then go to the North Rim.
2: But it was there in the Grand Canyon's harsh North Rim that she says everything went south. Their cell phone GPS recommending a shortcut.
3: It diverted us on a forest road.
2: That the family realized too late was a wrong turn to a narrow, closed road, eventually getting stuck in the mud.
3: And for an hour, we tried to get the car out. We had no cell service. We could call anybody to help us out. And um, it was uh, decided that, look, the main road, there is a main road up ahead. And I have um, professional and recreational experience, uh, lifelong, in the outdoors So I said, well, you know, I'll just go. I'll just walk up to the main road. I can do this. Like, I'm a runner.
2: Klein found nothing but the dead of night, wandering way off course.
3: It got to be about um, 1.30 in the morning. And at this point, I had walked about 26 miles. I kept myself awake. I just talked to myself and rocked back and forth to stay warm. They said in that 36 hours I walked about uh, 30 miles.
2: She survived off twigs, snow, and the will to see her family again.
3: I can't leave my son without a mom. I can't leave my husband without a wife. I'm not letting my parents bury me.
2: Meanwhile, her husband decided to head the other direction, 15 miles, until he got lucky.
3: And then got like one bar of cell service and called the park ranger, called 911, and then they sent the rescue team, um, that was around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, to find me. And then they found me. 2.30 in the morning.
2: Klein was found and airlifted to safety, recovering with frostbitten fingers and toes, but smiling.
1: I think Karen's a very brave woman who's doing, who did the most she could to help her family.
2: A dangerous journey turned Christmas miracle.
3: I was determined that, you know, this is not, this is not how my life is going to end.
2: And get this, just hours after Karen's rescue, a major winter storm hit the region that officials say would have made it impossible to find her. Doctors are currently working with her in the hospital, hopeful she will make a full recovery. Carson Tamron. All right, Steve, wow. thanks.
3: So it amazing. looks like they in the movie. Thanks, though. guys. It's, it's, it's
1: unbelievable. Thanks, Brandon. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Folks, when you're desperate, when you're desperate, you'll climb out on a limb. When you're desperate, it doesn't matter that people are mocking you and laughing at you. Hear me. When you get desperate, man, you'll tear the roof off a house. When you get desperate, you'll lower your friend down in front of Jesus. Come on. When you get desperate, you're going to find some help. That lady left on Thursday afternoon. It wasn't until it was Saturday morning at 1 a.m. that they finally found her in a in a ranger cabin that had been closed for the year, she broke a window and got inside and was huddled under some blankets. When you're desperate, you'll find a way. You'll find a way to get to Jesus. I, I just think there's just way too many people in America. There are way too many people in Tallahassee. There are way too many people that drive by old Bainbridge and high roads every day. And they're just putting up with a bad situation. Some of them are putting up with a bad situation at work. They're putting up with a bad situation with their finances or with their family or with their marriage or with their physical body. But you've got to get desperate and say, devil, you come this far, but you're not going to come any further. You've got to get desperate and say, devil, you may have come against me one way, but you're gonna flee seven ways in the name of jesus here's our third point this morning desperate people take authority over the devil desperate people take authority or you don't call the preacher and say preacher i'm having a problem with the devil luke 10 verse 19 says behold i give you but you got to receive it you know if if i if i say to 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 brother zach barnes zach i got some money for you zach's knee is hurting in fact let me say this because i meant to say it earlier zach in december graduated got his master's degree from southwestern university in biblical studies come on give me a big hand of applause hallelujah now I know you're wanting to grab this bill, Zach, but I'm gonna ask Lacey to come. Lacey, why don't you come and get this? Because Zach has hurt his knee. He was at the Battle of Wounded Knee. And he got hurt. He had an MRI done on it last night. We'll get the results sometime this next week. See, it's one thing for me to hold that, that, that money up to us up to her, but but Lacey has to come and accept it. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. But you've got to receive that. I'll tell you, many, many times i pray prayed, said, Lord, I receive the authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm me. Folks, you've got to receive. Come on over and say, I receive that authority. Come on. See, Zacchaeus was so desperate, he climbed a tree. The four men were so desperate, they ripped a roof off. They lowered their buddy down in the presence of the Lord. The woman with the issue of blood was so desperate, even though she was supposed to be yelling, unclean, unclean, you can't get close to me. She got on her hands and knees, and Jesus was in a great crowd of people, and she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made clean. And she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment, and Jesus said, who touched me? Folks, the disciples said, Jesus, there are people all around. What do you mean? Who touched me? He says, somebody touched me. Folks, it's not the, the religious touch. It's not the curious touch, but it's the faith-filled touch. He said, I felt virtue. Leave me. Folks, it takes a faith-filled touch. It is not, again, it's not just a religious touch. It's a faithful touch. The moment I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. Say hallelujah. Look with me at Mark 10, verses 46 through 50. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Folks, I'm telling you, it's not the religious shout. It's not the curious shout. It's not somebody being emotional just to be emotional, but it's the faith-filled shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What do you cry out in the midnight hour when nothing seems to be going right? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me. He's touched by the feelings of your infirmities. He knows what you feel. He knows what you're going through. Look at verse 50. This is an important verse. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Throwing, everybody say that, throwing his cloak aside. Now, why is that significant? It's because blind people... In the first century, they wore cloaks that designated them as a blind person. If you and I are in public today or at the mall... And we see a blind person. We might know they're blind because they have a, a white cane or or maybe they've got a seeing eye dog. Or maybe they're walking and they've got their arm linked with somebody else's arm and they can't see so good. They not, might even be wearing sunglasses. But they're walking along with this person and they might have that their hand on that person's shoulder. Do you know that years ago Kathy and I were flying to Los Angeles for a pastor's conference. We left Chicago and we changed planes in Phoenix. We're T- Tammy and Brent from Phoenix. We changed planes in Phoenix. And just before the plane took off in Chicago, there was a ripple and we looked up and guess who's coming? Not sitting in first class, not sitting up away from everybody. I guess there was a last minute change for them. But here comes a man leading, none other than Ray Charles down the plane to get a seat and they sat right behind us and people were talking to Ray and he was nice and talked to people. Well, we got off the plane and I had to go to the restroom before we went and found our connection. And I was headed to the men's room and Kathy was talking to me. I'm mean, going you know, man, your wife likes to talk to you. You better listen to her. So I stopped to listen to her. And about that time up came this man who was leading Ray Charles. And he says, he says, folks, I know I saw you. You're on the flight ahead of me and I need you to help me with something. I got to go to the restroom real bad. Can you stand here with Ray Charles? We said, sure. So he took Ray Charles and put his arm right here in my arm. So here I'm standing in the Phoenix concourse or Phoenix airport. I got Ray Charles and people are walking right saying, Hey, Ray, you got the right one, baby. Uh huh, uh huh and he just start singing he'd go into those coke jingles and he he was he was a delight to be with people knew ray charles couldn't see cuz he was holding on to somebody else and he had his sunglasses and somebody would be talking to him and he wouldn't turn and look him in the face he might be looking off in another direction well this man he had on a cloak that's what designated him as a blind man but don't you to know verse 50 throwing his cloak aside folks i'm telling you why did he close throw his cloak aside in his desperation he was saying my blindness is going to be part of the past not part of my future what's been going on in my life is getting ready to change i've been crying out to jesus and jesus has said come to me verse 51 what do you want me to do for you jesus asked him the blind man said rabbi i want to see Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Folks, when you press into Jesus, I want you to know you've got to leave that old garment behind you. You know, i told you many times that your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror because where you're going is more important than where you've been. You gotta leave that garment of doubt and unbelief behind you. You gotta leave that garment of people saying, hey, you're never gonna make it. You're never gonna amount to anything. Things are never gonna work for you. You just gotta leave that garment behind you. You gotta leave that garment of sickness and disease, that garment of poverty and lack, that garment of depression and oppression, that garment of fear and bondage. You gotta leave it behind you because Jesus has great things prepared for you. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. We're going to put Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 12 on the screen. And Norm and and Ben, come on up here if you will. I want you to read this aloud with me. Loudly use your best voice. This is where we started this morning. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters... I do not consider myself yet to taking hold of it. Forgetting. But one thing I do. Come on. One thing I do. What are you going to do in 2017? You need to say one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to forget what's behind. And I'm going to strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm going to press into Jesus in 2017. (laughs) I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what names they call me. I don't care how many limbs I have to go out on. I don't care how many times I hear the branches start to break. I don't care how many roofs I have to tear up. Come on. I don't know how many cloaks I have to cast aside. I don't care how much of, of this or how much of that is going on. I, 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 I'm just going gonna, gonna to press into Jesus. You know And I may have to leave some things behind. Some of you pressing into Jesus, you may have to leave some friends behind. Because you're, you're going nowhere fast with those friends. When I got saved as a senior in high school, there were some people I tried to keep hanging around. And I realized that I couldn't change them. They didn't want what I have. And I didn't want what they had. And I just had to get some new friends. And I'm just saying it's a new day. And you can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that's in Christ Jesus. I really believe this. Everybody look at me. I believe that the history books are waiting to be written about men and women who will totally, 100%, yield their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the history books are waiting to be written about people who will take God at His Word and act on His Word and not act on emotions that are contrary to the Scripture. But you got to make up your mind. This day, I'm going to cast away that garment. Come on. I'm going to cast away that garment. Just a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do before I ask you to stand. I'm going to ask, unless you've got an appointment and you've got to be someplace and you're late, I'm going to ask you to hang in here with us. Number one, number two, I'm going to ask that there be no talking. Number three, I'm going to ask that there be no moving around. Okay? At the count of three, everybody stand. One, two, three. Come on. All over this building. All over this building. This is a holy moment. It's a holy moment. I'm going to ask that we not have any drums right now. Let's just have the keyboard. Just the keyboard playing. It's a holy moment. And there are three categories of people here that I want to speak to. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Just close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Some of you here today, you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask you a question. If you died today, if you died at this second, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? I'm going to tell you something. God loves you. He loves you so much. But the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever and you're a whosoever. Today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make Jesus Christ the king of your life. To ask God to forgive you of your sins. And you can make Jesus your Lord and Savior. There's a second group of people I want to talk to today. Because at one time, you were on fire for God. At one time, man, you were just loving Jesus and He was loving you, but something happened. Something took place. You know, perhaps you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter, a father or a mother. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you had a financial reversal. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe you had a friend that betrayed you. You'd say, I want to come back to God today. I want to rediscover my first love today. I'm going to give you that opportunity. And thirdly, there's some of you here that you love Jesus with all your heart. But you don't have the assurance in your heart that if you died today, that you'd wake up in heaven. You love the Lord, but you just don't have that assurance in your heart that if you died today, you'd wake up in heaven. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you fit in one of those three descriptions, I want you just to raise your hand and keep it up until I see it. Come on. All over this house. You say, Pastor Terrell, that's me. I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you can put your hands down. Anybody else? Terrell, that's me today. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else all over this house? You say, I need the Lord Jesus Christ today. I want to rediscover my first love. I want to have the assurance in my heart that Jesus Christ is my King and my Lord. Anybody else? I'm looking at the far left-hand section right now. Anybody in this section, would you say, Terrell, that's me. I need the Lord. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Anyone at all? How about in this middle section on the left side? Terrell, I need Jesus. I need the Lord today. Anybody at all? How about in this left middle section? Terrell, I need Jesus today. I need the Lord in my life. Anybody else? Here in this right-hand section. Yes, thank you. you can put your hand down. Thank you thank you. Yes, you can put your hand down. Thank you. Put your hand down anybody else in this, uh, center, right hand section. Anybody at all. in the stillness of this moment, the stillness of this moment. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody in this middle right hand section you say, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need the Lord in my life. Anybody at all. Thank you. Put your hand down. Anybody else. This is a holy moment. How about in this far right hand section? I need Jesus Christ. Thank you. Put your hand down. Anybody else? I need Jesus Christ in my life. Anybody else? Look at the count of three. I'm going to ask you to come forward. Your friends will wait for you. I'm going to ask you to come forward. And we're going to pray a prayer together. We've got some things we want to give you. At the count of three. One, two, three. That's it. Just say, please excuse me. Please excuse me. I need to make my way down here. This is a
0: serious... We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.